Welcome to the Compliance 911 Show, a no-nonsense podcast discussing hot topics for today's busy compliance professional. It's everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but we're afraid to ask. And now, here are your hosts, Dean Stockford of M&M Consulting and Len Suzio of Geodata Vision. Well, Dean, here we are at the beginning of another year, the year 2022. It's exciting that we are starting our second year of the Compliance 9-11 show podcast. So what do you have on tap for the first recording in 2022? Len, it's great to see you, and I'm looking forward to 2022. Hopefully, we can get this damn pandemic behind us. So uh, in any case, today, I thought I'd talk about BSA and banking marijuana-related businesses, as this remains a very hot topic in the compliance circles. That sounds like an excellent topic to me, and I agree that we've heard a lot about these types of relationships and whether financial institutions can or cannot uh, bank them. Let, I'm certain our audience will be very anxious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, correct. This is a hot, hot area, and I should probably say slightly confusing given differences between federal, state law, uh, recreational use versus medical use in bills that seem to go absolutely nowhere in Washington. Uh, not to mention the confusion around regulatory guidance documents that issued on the topic to date. Oh, boy. It sounds like you've got a real complicated topic to tackle. Can you help us break the, the, down this topic for the audience today? Yeah, I'll do my best. I mean, first, let me say, you know, it's still considered against federal law to bank marijuana related businesses, which is a question that pops up uh, often. Uh and, and that we receive through our answer person service. Uh, with that said, many institutions have accepted the risk associated with banking these relationships. Uh, from time to time, I think we all forget that financial institutions are in the risk business. So there's a certain level of risk every institution is willing to accept. So let me dive into some of the details. In February of 2014, FinCEN, which is the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, issued a guidance document, BSA expectations regarding marijuana-related businesses. This guidance was issued concurrently with what we call the Cole Memo Priorities, which included guidance to prosecutors to consider various priorities with regard to federal money laundering, unlicensed money transmitters, such as like a uh, somebody that's unlicensed, it would be like a Western Union, but they're not licensed in order to do business in a particular state, and BSA offenses that are predicated on marijuana-related violations of Controlled Substance Act. Vincent also clarified how financial institutions could provide services to marijuana-related businesses consistent with Bank Secrecy Act obligations, and then laid out a series of priorities that had to be followed. Those are known as the Cole Memo priorities. But correct me if I'm wrong, Dean, didn't the Cole Memo get rescinded by Attorney General Jeff Sessions? Uh, yeah, you are correct. It did get rescinded in 2018. However, the Cole Memo is technically a, is a separate uh, set of priorities and documents from FinCEN. Um, it references the priorities within the BSA AML related guidance that was issued. Um, now, do you see why it can get just a little bit confusing when you start looking at the various uh, guidance documents? Yes, I think this may cause a few of our uh, listening audience to start smoking a little pot yeah. before we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So the guidance regarding banking these relationships still remains in effect? Yes, that is correct. And with with no pun, let me get into the, the weeds, as they say a little bit here. Yeah, um, there you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're getting really good at this, Dean, as we start the second year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, in general, the decision to open, close, or refuse any particular account or relationship should be made by the financial institution based on a number of factors specific to that institution. And of course, we hear that a lot with just about any type of risk, you know, consistent with your overall p- profile, your complexity, whatever else. Uh, these factors may include particular business objectives, uh, an evaluation of the risks associated with offering a particular product and service, and its capacity to manage those risks effectively. That a real detailed uh, customer due diligence program is critical uh, aspect of making this overall assessment. So if financial institutions can bank marijuana-related businesses, why would it be considered illegal under federal law? Yeah, great question. Short answer is because federal law has not been updated with legislation, but I cannot, I cannot provide any regulatory explanation. Uh, so it's important that institutions consider all the risks associated with banking these relationships and then follow the minimum due diligence guidance along with any state law implications that may be out there. The bottom line is financial institutions can and are banking these relationships, but it's imperative that strong CDD, which is your customer due diligence, and EDD, which is your enhanced due diligence procedures, are implemented and followed. So, Dean, I'm sure our audience would really appreciate it if you would expand on some of the due diligence expectations. Yeah, I'll go into more specifics in just a moment, but in short, it provides you know, guidance on risk assessments specific to marijuana-related business. Again, what is the risk associated with this institution doing business with a marijuana-related facility? It creates a suspicious activity reporting structure with different filing requirements based on suspected violations of what we call the Cole Memo priorities. It provides a list of red flags addressed in the Cole Memo priorities, and then makes no distinction between whether you're a bank or a credit union. The guidance goes on and is more specific with the minimum due diligence expectations on how you should treat a particular marijuana-related business and what we need to do. We need to verify with appropriate state authorities whether the business is duly licensed and registered, specifically in the state that they're they're, uh, offering their services. Review the licensing application and any other related documentation submitted by the business for obtaining their state license to operate as an MRB, which again is the acronym for marijuana related business. Include info from state licensing and enforcement authorities about the business and their related parties. Develop an understanding of normal and expected activity for the business, including the types of products to be sold, the type of customers to be served. Is it medical? Is it retail? Is it both? Is it hemp? You know, really drilling down as to the various types of businesses that are out there. Must include ongoing monitoring of publicly available sources for adverse information about the business and related priorities. It must include ongoing monitoring for suspicious activity, including for any of the red flags that are described within the guidance. And then you have to continue to refresh the information uh, obtained as part of your initial Uh, CDD on a periodic basis, commensurate with your overall uh, risk profile and and the risk that that the uh, uh, business presents to the financial institution itself. 
Well, this is great information, uh, Dean. And but it uh, it looks to me or sounds to me like a vast majority of the expectations surround initial due diligence with some monitoring provisions. What about reporting or filing re- requirements? Yeah, sometimes I swear you can read my mind, Len. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Finson guidance also included detailed SAR guidance, and of course, SAR is the acronym for suspicious activity reporting. A financial institution is required to file a SAR on activity involving an MRB, including those duly licensed under state law. So here again, clearly making a distinction, whether they're licensed or whether they're not licensed, you still have to file a suspicious activity report uh, in accordance with guidance that uh, FinCEN's suspicious activity reporting requirements and based on the related thresholds that they have. The guidance also includes three phases for describing the financial institution's relationship to the marijuana-related facility. So they did revamp the suspicious activity report, and we have to be uh, more, uh, or, or, or I should say more specific as to the type of marijuana-related business it is. There are essentially three types. The marijuana-limited filing means that the financial institution's due diligence indicates that the MRB does not raise any red flags as defined in that Cole memo is compliant with the appropriate state regulations regarding MRBs, uh, and the financial institution is providing banking services to that MRB. So really, that's the low-risk type of of marijuana-related businesses. The marijuana priority filing means that the financial institution's due diligence indicates that the MRB itself may raise one or more red flags as defined in those coal memo priorities. It may not only be fully compliant with the appropriate state regulations Uh, regarding MRBs. The financial institution is providing banking services to that MRB while further investigation is being conducted. So again, there's number two as far as the phase. And then, of course, probably the most significant one would be what we call the marijuana termination. Um, And that filing uh, means that the financial institution's due diligence indicates that the MRB raises one or more of the red flags as defined in the Cole memo and is not fully compliant with the appropriate state regulations regarding MRBs or has decided not to have uh, their uh, marijuana related customer for business reasons and for financial institution reasons, uh, not have, has decided either to not entertain that relationship or terminate its relationship with the uh, MRB itself. So in, in discussing this, uh, these three phases, as you've just elaborated on, Dean, you uh, reiterated red flags several times. Can you be more specific and share what these red flags are for our listeners? Yeah, of course. Uh, financial institutions are encouraged to use red flags if they believe that the marijuana business uh, they are servicing implicates any of those coal memo priorities or violates any Uh, state laws, as I indicated before. Red flags uh, should be communicated if one of the following is present. The customer appears to be using a state-licensed MRB as a front or a pretext to launder money derived from other criminal activity or derived from marijuana-related activity not permitted under state law. And to determine this, uh, if the issue is the following activity, it could could be an indication uh, of, uh, of them violating. Here are some of those, uh, again, red flags. The business receives substantially more revenue than uh, may reasonably be be expected given the relevant limitations imposed by the state in which it operates. And again, this based on CDD and establishing that initial baseline of risk 
so that we know whether they've deviated from it. Uh, the business receives substantially more revenue than its local competitors or, or than might be expected given the population of the demographics. So where is this business? And of course, uh, if you live where I live in Maine, um, within a 10 mile radius, I think we have at least 10 or maybe uh, even 12 uh, marijuana related facilities, whether it's retail or medical. So it isn't, of course, uh, it's good and it's bad. It gives you that uh, certainly that uh, uh, that comparative analysis that is required under the due diligence. Businesses that may be depositing uh, more cash than is commensurate with the amount of marijuana related revenue it is reporting for federal and tax state purposes. And of course, this is another area where I always say, why won't they just legalize it under federal rules? Because we'd like to get the money into the system so we can monitor it more closely. Um, the business is unable to demonstrate that its revenue is derived exclusively from the sale of marijuana uh, in the compliance with the what we call state law requirements. Um, the business makes cash deposits or withdrawals over a short period of time that are in excess related or to local competitors or expected activity of the business. Once again, if you have a, a bunch of those businesses, it's certainly easy to compare cash flows uh, of those like businesses. Um, deposits apparently structured to avoid uh, what we call CTR or currency transaction reporting requirements. Uh, if it's in excess of $10,000 in any single day, uh, in or out with cash, then we're required to fill out those CTRs. Rap rapid movements of, of funds, such as cash deposits that are followed by immediate cash withdrawals. Uh, deposits that are made by third parties with no apparent connection to the account holder. Uh, excessive uh, uh, commingling of funds with personal account or business owners, managers, or with other uh, accounts uh, seemingly that are unrelated to that business. Uh, individuals that are conducting transactions for the business or acting on behalf of a other that are undisclosed in the initial uh, CDD or uh, parties of interest. Uh, financial statements that are provided by the business to the financial institution are, are inconsistent with the actual account activity and uh, in the histories. A surge in activity by third parties offering goods and services to marijuana-related businesses, such as equipment suppliers or shipping services. Um, the business is unable to produce satisfactory documentation or evidence to demonstrate it's duly licensed in operating consistent with state law. Um, the business is unable to demonstrate the legitimate source of significant outside investments. Um, the customer seeks to conceal or disguise involvement in any of the activity related to marijuana-related businesses. Uh, the review of publicly available sources and databases about the business, its owners, its managers, other third parties, reveal negative information such as criminal record involvement, illegal purchase of sale of drugs, violence, or other potential connections to illicit activity. Boy, I should probably pause and take a breath, huh, Len? But uh, we do have a few more of what we call those red flags. The business. Yeah, I was I was trying to keep track of it all. It's like <laughs> it looks to me like you have at least twenty or so here. Yeah, uh, there, there are several, and mm -hmm. you know, of course, I think it's important. I'll just quickly, you know, tr try to summarize the final four that we have here. But you know, the business, its owners, its managers, or other related parties, um, either have seen or subject to an enforcement action by state or local authorities responsible for administrating and enforcing marijuana-related laws. Um, a marijuana-related business that engages in international interstate activity, including receiving cash deposits 
uh, from locations that are outside the state in which the business operates, making or receiving frequent or large uh, interstate transfers or otherwise transacting with persons or entities that are located in a different state uh, or country. Uh, the owners or managers of these MRBs reside outside the state in which the business is located. Uh, a marijuana-related business is located on federal property or marijuana sold by the business which was grown on federal property. Marijuana-related businesses proximity to an educational facility, school, which is not compliant with state law. And then final, a marijuana-related business uh, purporting to be a nonprofit is engaged in commercial activity inconsistent with its classification or making excessive payments uh, to its managers or employees. So you can certainly see where the initial CDD uh, to establish that baseline of risk and then to see whether they've deviated or uh, have complied with all of what we call the red flags is important. So if, if the banker opens up the morning edition of their local newspaper and sees the uh, marijuana business dispensary owner being carted off in, in handcuffs, that's definitely a red flag, I would say, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We actually saw a case like that here in, uh, in, the, in, the state of, in the state of Maine in Farmington, and it actually involved uh, two, or I should say more than two, um, uh, federal and state officials, uh, police officials, as well as uh, detectives that were involved in illicit activity. So, uh, yeah, it can happen to anyone. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, that's definitely a warning sign, I would say. And if you, you've you given the audience a, a list that they're going to probably have to replay this several times and make notes on it. But it's certainly I'm I'm, I'm I believe it's going to be very helpful to a lot of the listening audience. Yeah. Now, as you know, Dean, I was once a state senator, so I have some experience working in, in the state legislature. Uh, is there any current federal re legislation that would legalize marijuana related businesses? on the federal level. Yeah, I kind of expected you to ask this given your involvement over the years in your state legislature for sure. Um, and I'm pleased that you asked that. I hate to pick on Washington too much. I, I like to do it often, but uh, legislators have faced many bills that relate to federal legalization of marijuana related businesses. But as with most things in Washington, of course, politics is at play. So we have no idea when or if any of the proposed legislation will pass. Currently, we have the following bills that I'll just quickly summarize for you and, and, and give you a, a quick uh, a 30,000 foot view as to what, what the implications of, uh, of these bills are. The Secure and Fair Enforcement Act of 2022, uh, 2021 excuse me, uh, passed uh, by the House, but it sits in the Senate. And in a nutshell, this bill actually does not legalize uh, marijuana-related businesses federally, but it does protect financial institutions from federal regulator actions uh, if they have followed state laws, whether they are state uh, laws applicable to retail or medical, doesn't matter. Uh, the next one is the Cannabis Administrative Administration, excuse me, and Opportunity Act, which was introduced to the Senate in July of 2021. Uh, the purpose of this bill is to legalize and regulate cannabis federally. That's to me, the easiest and probably the best thing they could do. Uh, Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. The Moore Act is better, better known as the Moore Act, um, which was uh, introduced in May of 2021. Uh, the bill would deschedule cannabis uh, from the Controlled Substances Act and enact 
various criminal and social justice reforms related to cannabis, which would include the, the expungement of any prior convictions um, under uh, federal or state law. So the above are the most recent bills, but we've seen certainly different variations of these bills in one form or another over the last several years. Um, we can only hope that some action is taken in Washington to help institutions with the ongoing conflicting guidance and risk associated with banking uh, these particular relationships. So for now, I guess the best advice I could give people is follow the minimum due diligence guidance that is available. Ensure you have an effective compliance management program and monitoring in place in support around uh, in, in support around all of your processes uh, for managing uh, these higher risk types of relationships. Dean, uh, I want to thank you for what I would uh, describe as an in-depth review of the uh, BSA and shedding more light on marijuana-related businesses. Uh, I'm certain it will be very educational and helpful to our audience. This is Len Suzio from GeoDataVision. And this is Dean Stockford from M&M Consulting saying thank you for listening to today's topic on BSA banking marijuana related businesses. Thanks for listening to the Compliance 911 show. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, please give us a like and review to help others find the show. As always, links are in the show notes and you can always find us online at compliance911show.com. Follow M&M Consulting and GeoData Vision on LinkedIn for all the latest news and information on compliance hot topics.